0: Take a minute and look around the room at each other. Don't make faces, just just look at each other, take a good look and tell me what you notice about each of us. Take a good long look. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you see each other and the number of people that you have here in this room? It's the fact that we're all different. We're not the same. We're not that box of yellow pencils that we like to think about. We have different looks, different desires, different backgrounds. We have different jobs that pay different amounts of money. We all have a different DNA with our abilities, with our strengths and our weaknesses. Uh, some are old. Most of us are old. There are a few young ones. Um, not many young ones good to see the young ones around. We all have different abilities when it comes to, you know, building character and overcoming and changing. You know, people that have that ability to suddenly correct a mistake or sin in their life overnight is, is baffling to me because that's not me. That's just not me. You know, sometimes it takes light, a whole life to correct problems such as patience or learning to love someone or forgiving someone. It's not something that just happens. And there are those that can do that, can change very, very quickly. And the way that we live our lives, the things that we want to do, the things that we like to do are are different than the people that you're sitting next to. You know, if I could take a minute and just mention things about family from the past, you know, one of the things that I really looked forward to when I was growing up were the old family reunions. You know, my dad was the youngest of nine, And he was treated like the youngest of nine. Uh, Five brothers and four sisters. And uh, Well, he was four brothers and four sisters. Uh, They gave him a hard time. They they each gave each other the hard time. Um, You know, we used to long to see these tables of food, eight-foot tables with food on them and an eight-foot table of desserts. We loved to get together, but boy, did they fight. Did they disagree with one another? The aunts and uncles were as different as night and day and you could you could recall same things with your family how that brothers and sisters could be extremely different I know my brother my two brothers uh, of which I only have one now and my sister were as different as night and day you know my sister was valedictorian in high school I could have cared less about being valedictorian I just wanted to get in and get out you know I had a full-time job why did I need to make straight A's you know that's just the way I was and my other brother had Done time for a couple of years and down in Florida, uh, had problems all of his life, and then he was killed about 11 years ago in a house fire, uh, about the time he was turning his life around. But we were ju- we were just so different, you know. People always you know told my dad said, "Is this really your son?" And, and me because all the others were, you know, more like him. I was more like my mom's side of the family, but but. You know, you, you can identify with that. My wife's family was, was the same way. My wife was the middle between three boys and two girls. And her family, you know, liked to argue and debate like you've never seen. Uh, it was always a history lesson when you got together. My father-in-law was into history, and he liked to discuss history. And, and uh, I've never seen and heard so many arguments as, as many of you can experience with your family as well, the, things, the differences that take place. Well, when we look at family and we look at the approach that we had to take as our family and what we were trying to learn and to accomplish as a family, we were trying to learn, believe it or not, to get along with one another and to try to accomplish having love for one another as as family. And that was not easy to do. That was a job. That took work. And in in some cases, it probably never has been able to happen. Because families do remain divided for years and years and years because of differences of opinions. As we learn to try to understand how that affects us as a family, it does carry over to us as a church in learning to get along with one another, learning to work out our differences, learning, learning to put up with each other, and learning to still take care of the job that is at hand in spite of our differences, in spite of our thoughts, in spite of the things that we like to do. And I wanted to give this before the holy days because the one place where you do find differences is when you go to a feast site where you have people that are of different likes, different desires. They have the same beliefs for the most part, but they're they're tuned into their particular system and there may be some differences that occur. The question I have for you is, do we need to change our differences and be exactly alike to be a Christian? Well, of course we don't. I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm talking about just little things. You know, things that that irritate one another that we learn to have to understand. And if you want to know what this is like in life, if you're confused about it, just get married. (laughs) You'll learn very quickly how it is to learn to deal with each other because of differences. That's just a simple fact. I think God did that for a reason for us to to try to learn and understand that because you have to do that within marriage. It's very important if it's going to survive and if it's going to work. A A couple of thoughts I want you to think about. Okay, you're going to the festival in a few weeks. Can't believe it's here, but it is. What do you do if you go to the feast You've got some people in the local community that are very, very interested and curious about wanting to know what the Feast of Tabernacles is. Would they be allowed to come into the church and visit? Secondly, would they feel comfortable in attending? Would you make them feel welcome? Would you have them feel at home? Because they may not believe the way that you do, but they really are genuinely interested in wanting to learn and wanting to to understand. I know a friend of mine is, has been very concerned and serious about inviting a couple of his friends from a local area and uh, he's, he's been very serious about it because they have wanted to come to the feast and at least be there for part of it and see what it's like. So it's a thought, something to think about. What about somebody from the Islamic faith who would consider changing to Christianity which has occurred in life and has occurred in the past and probably will occur in the future. Would you feel comfortable? Would they feel welcome if they genuinely came to want to change? What about someone with an alternative lifestyle who was serious about changing their life, maybe realizing that they had done something that was not pleasing to God in their life? You know, I have friends in town here that I know and have done business with and they are of an alternative lifestyle and you know I talk to them I don't treat them as being someone different they understand and know what I believe and how I believe but and I don't agree with it but I'm still friendly to them because I look at people and when you look at people we need to look at people the way that God looks at them is everybody Is it not the case who has ever lived has an opportunity to become a son of God and have a chance for salvation? Didn't Jesus Christ make that possible with his sacrifice through repentance and change and baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit? So we need to think about it in those terms. In other words, we need to leave some of our differences at home we need to look about what we have in common as people, which is the Holy Spirit, which ought to separate us and give us that edge that we need to have in life and be able to accomplish and do the work at hand that we've been given, which is preaching the gospel, both verbally and in the lives that we live. And we ought to be able to do this as Christians. Couldn't we? Shouldn't we? You know, one of the things I've learned this week and I think you probably have too, is one of the the items that the news has been talking about in, in a paper, on the news, on television, or whatever, is the phenomenal involvement of people from Texas in dealing with what happened in Houston with Harvey. I have heard it day in and day out how amazed the country is of how Texans have pulled together. And they've mentioned it every evening I've watched it the differences these people have. They have different political beliefs. (laughs) They have different ideas. They come from different backgrounds and yet the state of Texas, these people have pulled together to go down there and to help out and to accomplish the job of helping these people and of helping humanity. I think that is a tremendous example and is a tremendous example to us as Christians because we have while we have made strides in learning to understand our differences and get along, we have a long way to go and If we can learn something from that example in the world, I think it is unbelievable what has taken place. When I looked at the TV the other evening and saw just truck with trailer of of a boat on it, you know just lined up, headed south on television, um, You know these people are different from one another; they don 't think the same. But they have pulled together to do a job. And that's what we are supposed to do as a church, as Christians, as people with God's spirit, is to pull together, to understand our differences, to work together, and still accomplish the goal that we've been and supposed to be accomplishing. Well, how do we do this? How do we accomplish this tremendous responsibility that we have? And we truly do have a responsibility to do that. Over in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, you don't have to turn there because you're familiar with it. Jesus said, I will build my church. We understand that. Jesus was not naive when he made that statement. He knew what he was dealing with before we did, before the the New Testament Christians did. Jesus knew what was going to happen with the Gentile situation. The Jews didn't understand that to begin with, neither did the disciples. They just thought that this was taking place. Jesus was going to build his church. The Jewish people were going to be given reign over the earth. The kingdom would be established and so on so forth. Wow, when the Gentiles came in, what a mess. It was not a pleasant experience. And we'll get on to that a little bit later. I don't think we fully understand that. But Jesus knew what it would take. Jesus knew what had to be accomplished. Jesus knew there would have to be understanding between people, between each other. And he also understood that it would have to take place through that gift of the Holy Spirit. That that is the only way that that would take place and be able to occur. And Jesus also understood and knew, as Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and higher powers and those adversaries that are willing and trying and doing their best to cause violence and tear things apart, including his church. You know, we have that aspect in society today. You know, when, when organizations and, and groups get together for peaceful, you know, whatever, talks and things, and then a group comes in and tries to destroy them and tear them apart, that's not a godly spirit. It just isn't. It's an evil spirit. And the same thing is true within, you know, the church. There are spirits that come in. There are There are things that try to happen and try to destroy and tear apart, and that is not from God. God's way is love. God's way is freedom. God's God's way is mercy and forgiveness. And that's something, as you well know, that we all have to have. One of the things that we have experienced over the years throughout the the churches has been change. Believe me. Change like never before understood. We've seen groups separate and become different. And some of the issues that we've had to face with and and deal with are, are some of the most unbelievable problems that affect us for no apparent reason you know some of the big changes that occurred several years ago that i remember that created an uproar were some of the services uh the format of services you know we always for years had two services every single day and when and when this group went to one service a day and maybe two for holy days it was an uproar people couldn't understand it but you know that was not doctrine that was tradition Isn't that the same thing that caused problems in the New Testament church was tradition? Tradition was Gentiles didn't belong. But when the Gentiles were called in and given the Holy Spirit, wow, that couldn't be denied, could it? That was God's will being shown, the fact that he had given his spirit to the Gentile people. But the Jews didn't care for that one bit. That that rocked their boat, literally, to the point that they could not accept that you know, when you went from a two or two and a half hour service to an hour and a half service, that tore people apart. They didn't know what to think. They, did, they didn't know how to, to achieve that. I, I, remember, I remember these things so, so plainly, how, how much of a, a problem it was. And, and I kept thinking to myself, why do we have to deal with this? It is not doctrine, it's, it's tradition. Do you realize that if people from the First Testament and the New Testament church from the first century came to church today, we probably wouldn't let them in? They didn't dress the way we dressed, for one thing, and their habits were totally different than what ours are. Um, The music situation that had occurred last year a little bit, uh, a little bit of a problem with it. Do you realize that the New Testament church never had any of the songs that we have, that we sing? Not one. That's a fact. They had the psalms, but they didn't have music to them. They did not have music to the Psalms. They probably hummed them and strummed them or whatever, and uh, that would upset people. You know, I know know this sounds kind of foolish, but but this is just the way and things we have to deal with. And when I think we have a, a greater responsibility at hand in preaching the gospel, you know, working together, we need to come together like the people of Texas have done to help the people that have been abandoned in Harvey through the, the storm and, and that they've gone through and they're being dislocated and transferred and, and whatever because it's going to take months and months and months for these people's lives to get back to normal, why cannot we as Christians with the Holy Spirit work together and get together and meet together and preach the gospel? In spite of our differences, because they're minimal. You know, one of the things that we have, are going to have to deal with and we are seeing and have seen for the last few years is the internet. Church services are much bigger than what we have here. All of you know that. With the internet and the people that are watching online, it's phenomenal the number of people that see this, not only live each week, but come back and review it during the week. Uh, That is a change in our church services format. That is not doctrinal. That is just people that are watching through the fact that they don't have the money to travel two or three hours a week to services because they're so far away maybe they're in poor health maybe they're elderly Um, you know and I can understand why people don't want to get out and, and risk that travel but to make it available to them online with the internet is phenomenal it really is and they chance to reach people that you can't normally reach and there are people out there who don't want to come to services because they don't feel comfortable because they don't know how they're going to be accepted and treated and I can understand that too. But the fact that they're out there listening and they're wanting to be a part of it is great. And so we really, really need to have that contact. And we need to have that relationship. Even if it's one of those relationships that is not my thing doing things on the internet. I would rather take somebody's hand and talk to him personally. Or on the phone rather than through email or texting. I, I, I'm just... I'm just not going to be an expert at it. I'm just not. I know that. But it's fabulous to be able to do that. And, and to be able to reach people, to be able to come together with them, even from that standpoint, is, is truly amazing. And we have to learn to do that. The New Testament church, I don't know that we can ever fully understand what took place in the situation in Acts 15, with the Gentiles coming into the church, the decisions that had to be made, the unrest that developed during New Testament times. It was not easy. It was not, not pleasant. It rocked the New Testament church. You know, the Jewish people felt that the Gentiles were the reason that they went into captivity. I read that in one of the commentaries in a couple different places. They blamed the Gentile world for causing them to go into captivity. Now, granted, the Gentiles had religion They had their own set of beliefs apart from God and they were pagan and they were idolatrous. But the Jewish people tried to incorporate them into their belief system and that's what got them in trouble. But they blamed the Gentiles and had a hatred for the Gentiles because of that. And that is why and what existed in the New Testament times when Jesus started and built his church, there was still that dislike for the Gentiles because they had no place within God's family, God's church, God's kingdom. And Jesus tried to point that out that, uh, yes, they did. And so I don't know that we can ever fully understand all of that that took place. Um, it, was a, it was a tremendous uproar to them. If you would, turn over to the book of Mark. You know, the New Testament church had different ways of even having services. When we traveled to Spain about 15 years ago, I went to, we went to a synagogue in Cordoba, of all things, and it was an original synagogue from the early 800 ADs. And um, the women were in a balcony up here when they worshipped. The men were downstairs. That's just the way it was. When we went to Nazareth a few years ago uh, on our trip to Israel, they had a settlement there in the middle of Nazareth. It was about a five-acre settlement, and it was all set up just like the first-century church, like everything was supposed to have been back at that time. And in the synagogue there in Nazareth, the women sat on one side of the church and the men sat on the other. They, they, they separated. You know, now, you know, we don't do that. But that's how they did back then. They had changes. They had differences that have taken place over the years. And it had nothing to do with doctrine. It was just procedures. It was just format. It was just... Things that had to be changed because of maybe the time and the culture. And that's one of the things that we're going to have to deal with in our lives today is that people that come in to the church from other cultures, from other nations, their cultures, their habits are different. You know, for instance, our habit here in the States, for the most part, is to shake hands. Some of these other cultures is to hug and give you a big brotherly kiss. You know, that's just something we have to learn to understand. And some of these people in these other cultures... um, Where I have been to services, their enthusiasm and involvement is far more animated than you would ever imagine. And that would offend some people. You know, when you're up there with your arms like this because of your enthusiasm and you're waving in a certain way, it almost looks like a Pentecostal approach. They're not trying to create a problem. It's just that they have enthusiasm. And that tends to not be what we are like as people. I have enough trouble standing up and singing because my voice isn't that good. But we praise and worship God through different ways. And there are people who, who are more animated and more vocal when they sing because they love it. They, they truly are good at it. But when you're not that good at something, you tend to be a little more reserved. Mark chapter 2. Jesus encountered some of these things within the New Testament times. And here's how the Jewish people reacted to some of that. Mark chapter 2, verse 15. It came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat together with Jesus and his disciples. You know, they took exception to the fact that he sat with people who were sinners. Now, this is basically people not that were just sinning, but they they were looked upon as sinners because they did not keep the, uh, the Jewish customs of the Pharisees. They uh, did not keep the Mosaic law like the Pharisees did, necessarily. But Jesus dealt with people. Jesus dealt with all sorts of people. Because his job, his responsibility was to bring the gospel to those who had not heard it. Same thing to you and me. You know, do we just deal with church people week in and week out? Of course not. We deal with neighbors. We deal with family. We deal with people at work. We deal with people who don't believe in God. We believe we deal with people who believe that well, maybe there's a God, but i don't I don't know for sure, and I'm not that concerned about it because I've got other things to do, and we deal with these people and we try to interact with them and try to set an example for them and try to help them when they have legitimate questions but jesus they they didn't take it seriously they they really were upset with him. He said in verse sixteen, "How is it?" that he eats and drinks with public and the sinners. And when Jesus heard it, he said, they that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so we need to have that same attitude as we deal with people through the week. We need to realize that they have a potential to become a son of God, just like you and I have had that opportunity. And God will give them that chance, that future. Mark chapter 7. I'm just going to kind of brief over this. They were upset in verse 5, he says, why the disciples did not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eating bread with unwashed hands. And Jesus told them that they were, you know, the people that uh, they were dealing with, these people were honoring them with their lips and not with their hearts. And he said, how be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So we need to be, Make sure that as we worship God, as we, as we follow his way, as we interact, that we need to, to understand and realize the things that are truly important. The traditions that we have may be great, may be wonderful. They may be something that's, that's a part of your local area where you are, but when you come together with other people, realize that sometimes you know, those traditions are not church doctrine. And just because somebody else likes the color red and you don't, doesn't mean that you're a better Christian than they are. We'll get to that in, in the book of Romans in, in a few minutes. Just remember, this statement was made a few weeks ago in a sermon by Wynn Skelton. I didn't come up with it, but he said, tradition is not doctrine. And that is so true. We need to remember that, that tradition is not doctrine. Our likes and our dislikes are not doctrine. We have to base it upon God's word. You know, one of the things that the disciples had among themselves were major differences in getting along. You know, some of them wanted to know who was going to be greatest in the kingdom. You know, Peter was the one who was not going to deny Christ. He was, he was the one that was going to follow him forever and then wound up denying him three times. Thomas didn't believe that Jesus was Jesus after he was crucified and resurrected and had to put his fingers in the wound to understand it. So yeah they were different too. They had their differences. They didn't always get along. But you know something? Jesus loved each one of them didn't he? And we need to have that love that Jesus had identified in John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes on him should not perish but shall have everlasting life. That, that's available for all of mankind. And you know as well as I do, there are some people out there that you are different from and don't care for, but they still have that opportunity for forgiveness and for salvation. Back in Isaiah chapter 42, there's a scripture, and the Jewish people understood and knew this scripture, but boy, did they not realize what was going to happen and take place when it happened. Isaiah 42, verse 1, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. They knew that. They were familiar with that. Isaiah is quoted a lot of times throughout the New Testament time. But they didn't understand where it was going to lead to. In verse 6, it says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand and will keep you and give you for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles. And yet when this light to the Gentiles was beginning to take place at Pentecost with the receiving of the Holy Spirit, it dumbfounded the entire Jewish population. They were caught off guard with it. And I think we can only kind of guess what it must have been like. You know, the Jews knew that prophecy but didn't understand how it was going to take place. So when when this happened, when this occurred, And when Jesus began to build his church, there were traditions that were knocked down right and left and created quite an uproar within the New Testament church for the most part. It really and truly did. You know, when you look at Paul's letters, what is it you read in Paul's letters throughout the entire New Testament? The fact that he had directives to try to solve some of the church problems. Some of the little minor things that we're talking about today. And you know, isn't it interesting, of of all the people, I was thinking about this the other day, and I've thought about it before, but of all the people you would have chosen to take the gospel to the Gentiles would not have been the Apostle Paul, who was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and yet God chose this man who probably had the most dislike for Gentiles, to write most of the New Testament and take the gospel to the Gentile world. Isn't that ironic? how God does things like that. But he used Paul. He truly did. And I wonder sometimes if Jesus didn't have a little bit of a smile on his face knowing when he met Paul and called him what Paul was going to be doing. Because Paul had no idea what was going to happen and what was going to take place. And yet when you read about Paul's life, you find out that he, he kind of reversed his life, but he was just as energetic in trying to reach the Gentile people as he was in trying to convert people to Judaism before his conversion. Truly amazing responsibility. You know, you had had problems throughout the New Testament, as Paul had to point out. You know, in Galatians chapter 2, and we won't turn there because we don't have time, but, you know, Paul withstood Peter face-to-face in Galatians chapter 2 because he was refusing to do certain things. He was was eating with the, the Gentiles, but when people from Jerusalem came, he withdrew himself and kind of went over here and tried to look a little bit different, a little bit better because of that Jewish element and because he didn't want to create problems with the Gentiles and you know how it was. He was, he was being a little hypocritical. And Paul encountered him, talked to him, had a word with him face to face, told him he was wrong because he did not want to give up that tradition that was so detrimental to the New Testament church. You know, I've had people mention that, that uh, well, they thought they would go to another feast site because, you know, they, they had some problems at one year before, which is, this has come up several times over the history of the time I've been in the church and been going to the feast. But they thought, they thought and felt that they would go to another feast site, try something different, which is great, wonderful, do that. You know, if you get tired of the beach and you don't look good in a swimming suit, go somewhere else. That <laughs> seems to be what happens to most of our people nowadays is that we just we just don't go to the beach much anymore as as you get to a certain point in time but you know it it's wonderful to be able to try different places but one of the things I've noticed over the years when you ask people how 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 things were and if they had a great time virtually every time there's been something that says, "Well, we had a great time, we really enjoyed ourselves, but you know they did this differently over here this year. It's not like what we're used to. Now, it didn't create a serious problem, but it did get my attention and it did get their attention. So, that, yes, that will come up. That will will be different. But one of the things you have to be aware of is that just because you have an issue with this particular situation and you want to try to correct that and do something different While you may go elsewhere and not have that issue as a problem for you or as a concern for you, something else will come up that will get your attention and you'll have to deal with it. It's just the way it is. Remember, tradition is not doctrine. Romans chapter 14. You know, even the New Testament disciples and apostles had trouble getting along at times. You remember... The situation with Paul and Barnabas when they had words over John Mark, and they had to literally separate themselves from one another because they couldn't agree with what needed to be done they uh, I always find that interesting because uh you know you you get this impression that here are two seasoned veterans in the ministry really going about their job preaching the gospel, taking care of business, and this this youngster comes along who's who's a young man and he's kind of of the younger generation and does things a little differently and it just irritates older people. You know how that is. I used to irritate my, my dad to no end. Um, <clears throat> he was an ex-Marine and he always wanted things done a certain way and I didn't like to do that, but uh, I guess I turned out fairly well. I, <laughs> I I did pick up some of the things that he taught me. But you know, the, you know, the younger group as it comes along, and I think we're going to deal with this as a, as a church too with younger people as the millennials come along and come into the church, we're going to deal with different things taking place. I'm not talking about changes in doctrine. I'm just talking about changes in routines and things that we do. You know, the one thing that has, has, has bothered people in the past has been some of the newer contemporary Christian music. You know, because it wasn't the same old music situation that we've had in the past. Like I said, the New Testament church didn't have any of this. Not any of Fanny Crosby's songs that are wonderful and are beautiful. Some of the most wonderful Christian music songs you've ever heard. Most of our Christian music didn't take place until after, what, about 1200 A.D.? I think most of it was after 1200. You know, we are so blessed to have all that. The Christian, the new contemporary music, some of these young people really are into it. They really are. And they are good with it. They are good at it. That's just something we have to learn to adjust to and to realize. Because as the younger, younger groups come into the church and the younger generation will come along, the younger generation will eventually you know, be the ones in the church because we are no longer going to be here. That's just a fact of life. And God said his church when he built it was not going to die out, so there will be younger people up here And God's going to have to do some work for that because there are not a lot of younger ones out there nowadays. But he will come up with something. Romans chapter 14 is a chapter I think we need to think about because Paul dealt with this, and I'm sure it was such an issue in so many different places that he finally did some writing about it to to bring that up so that they would understand it. He said, Him that is weak in the faith receive you, but not to doubtful disputations. Not to argue about things, but just to receive them, he's trying to say. For one believes that he may eat all things and other who is weak, eats, eats herbs. Let not him that eats despise him that eats not. You know, if you want to be a vegetarian, and there are people that are vegetarians within the churches of God, so what? Doesn't matter. You don't have to eat meat. You really don't. You don't have to like certain foods that are clean to eat. Nothing wrong with that. But we try to make an issue of that. Another factor that I grew up with that was really a problem and created problems was the fact of alcohol. You know, when people are Baptist and, and come into the church, they have this thing about alcohol that they, they don't want to drink. And when I was growing up, there were, there were those that um, really made it known that alcohol was okay to be drinking. And created problems. And it was wrong. Just like if you wanted to be a vegetarian. Nothing wrong with that. Paul said, and it doesn't mean a person that's weak in the faith is less of a Christian. Please understand that. He's not what he's saying. Because he says in the end of the chapter, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And that's what the important point is, is you need to be satisfied in your own mind that what you're doing is okay. And we are going to see people coming in, I believe, to the churches of God in the future that it may have the same situation where there are things that they don't feel comfortable with. Certainly fine. Certainly fine for them to do that and to be able to be that way. You know, when you, when you have groups on a holy day that will contract with a restaurant to have the church meet together for lunch, to have the church there as a group, that offends some people. It really and truly does. And yet those people don't understand that when you rent a hall to have services with that people are still working for you while, they have, while you're at that hall for services just like they were if you were at a restaurant. I don't know if they ever think those things through or not, but that does bother some people. And those are things that we have to realize and understand that you know, are just there. You know, Our actions do affect other people, so we need to be careful in how we do things so that our actions don't hurt other people. But yet, it's, on the one, other hand, too, and on the other side, we have to make sure that a few people don't manipulate the church because of their feelings about certain things. And this goes back to the book of Acts with the New Testament church in Acts chapter 15, where that's exactly what the Jewish population was wanting to do with the Gentiles coming in. You know, Did they not say that they had to become Jews basically to be Christian? And James made the decision stating, no, they didn't. Because Christianity, you know, to be a Christian does not mean you have to be a Jew. Does it? But yet that's what some of them felt had to take place if Christ was going to build his church. You know, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, you can read Romans 14 on your own, but that's basically what he was trying to get at was the fact that people need to be treated as people regardless of how they want to live their lives and things that have nothing to do with with doctrine and with dealing with God's law. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and beginning in verse 19, Paul said, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. He talks about here in dealing with people and some of the issues and things he had to deal with. He says in verse 22, To the weak I became weak, That I might gain the weak, and I made all things. I I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means serve some. Now, Paul was not talking about compromising his values and his belief system to link up with other people and to connect with other people. He was talking about trying to deal with people on the level that they were on. And that's what we have to try to do. Sometimes is is understand people, understand where they're coming from, and try to deal with them and work with them from that standpoint. Because we're here to serve people. We're here to try to help for their Christian growth, for their Christian development, and their Christian maturity. And you can't just throw everything to them all at once. It takes a little bit, piece by piece. I know. remember when I was was growing up, uh, the the situation came up about tithing. And I'll never forget this. Uh, this new member was was in the congregation. He was asking and about tithing, and he understood about first tithe, and he was beginning to understand about second tithe, and about the feast. And then, and then this gentleman over to some the side or somewhere said, "Well, I'm glad you've got that figured out." because "Just wait until you get into third tithe." And this guy's face kind of turned white. He was he was literally shocked by it. He didn't know know what to think about it. A true statement that actually happened. So yeah, you've got to deal with people in a in a spirit that will help them to grow, help them to develop, but help them to feel comfortable and welcome and at home. You know, I had a friend that he I need to go see him by the way because he doesn't attend anymore. He's uh he attended occasionally. He's gotten to the point where he can't get around very well at all. And I need to go visit him, but he he was a Baptist. He visited with us every month or two at CEM, when, he was, when I was out there, and he had visited a number of times here in Tyler. Uh, he, he loves all of you to death, and he, he always enjoyed coming, but he's at he's the point now where he's embarrassed because he can't get around at all, and he doesn't want to leave the house, his wife said. So I need to go see him and uh, give him a hard time and tell him that we'll get him here one way or the other with a winch or whatever it takes. But, but uh, he, he truly does come. But he was a Baptist, and he loved coming here. He said he told me on more than one occasion he said i've heard more education here from this group and i've heard most of my life he said things that i never even knew were in the bible and he said i thought i knew my bible fairly well but he felt comfortable he felt welcome here and he knows a number of you and uh, he may be watching online i, I don't know but um, that's the attitude that we need to have and, and the relationship that we need to develop to develop with people So that they feel comfortable and they want to come. The key to working together, the key to making things happen, the key to being successful, the key to allowing the responsibility we have to to be successful is of all things through the Holy Spirit that God has given us. We can't deny that. We shouldn't complicate that to be more specific. We shouldn't go against what we need to do jesus said in john 16 he said that he would give us the comforter when he went away the disciples had no idea what he was talking about i don't believe they understood the first thing of what was going to happen because they were all so startled and shocked at pentecost when it did happen that it took a little little time for that to to soak in literally soak in and become a part of them and help them to understand that he said i tell you the truth it is expedient for you that I go away if if I go not away verse 7 of John 16 the comforter will not come unto you but it will depart but if I depart I will send him to you and where it has come it will reprove the world of sin of righteousness and of judgment he says in verse 12 I have yet many things to say unto you but you cannot bear them now no kidding no kidding could they not bear them now and he certainly wasn't going to go in and tell them about the Gentile situation that was going to develop because they just couldn't handle it. Howbeit, when the Spirit of truth has come, it will guide you into all truth, where it shall not speak of itself, but whatsoever it shall hear, it shall speak, and He will show you things to come. When we see people from the state of Texas working together to help people who are in desperate need, and we see people who come from all walks of life that are completely different and have never worked together before go down there and do things and make things happen and our success at it, and get the attention of the entire nation, so to speak. Why can't we do that as as Christians with the Holy Spirit? To literally turn things upside down. Because I think that's what they've done on the way down there to help people. I think they've turned things upside down, literally, with what has taken place and what has happened. We've got to be able to do that. And we have the elements. We have all the help that we ever need to make it happen because we have God's spirit and when you've got God's spirit there is nothing that can defeat you because you know that God is behind you and that God is there and that God wants this to happen in conclusion over in Psalm 133 don't ever forget this scripture here because it's truly important Psalm 133, verse 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And that's truly what we need. We need to be united as God's people. We need to realize that there's going to be challenges that we face. There's going to be growth within the body of Christ before Christ returns. We know that for a fact. It's going to happen. It's going to be there. Are we ready to handle it? Are we ready to deal with it? Are we making the facilities that we are in open to people and comfortable to people who want to come and learn? Because that is going to happen. And the one thing that we do know and do understand is that we are all different, but we can work together. And may God help us to continue to do that.